Hello, Set Apart Saints. This is David Nakao Wilcoxon. This audio is from the Olivet Discourse Decoded video series. The videos were low-tech, mostly me just reading what's on the screen. So you're not missing much in the audio version. The Olivet Discourse Decoded PDFs that I refer to in the lessons can be found at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Enjoy the lesson. Hello, set-apart saints, this is David, and in this lesson, I'm going to go through the explanation of the fulfillment of Matthew 24:30, which says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We've been taught that it's about Messiah's second coming, but in the context of the desolation of Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish nation, we will see that it has a very different meaning. Preterists use this scripture to proclaim that it points to Messiah's return in the first century, but that is a false teaching, for they too misunderstand the context. Matthew 24 verses 29 to 31 are the gotcha verses, as people cite them to proclaim that the Olivet Discourse prophecies have not been fulfilled yet. But as we saw in the last video, the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars wasn't pointing to the literal heavenly bodies, but to the Jewish leadership system being cast down from power. The Jewish high priest, the sun, the Sanhedrin, the moon, and the priest system, the stars, were either killed or captured during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 to AD. Context is everything. The proper application of Messiah's Olivet Discourse is that he had just rebuked the Jewish leaders and proclaimed that judgment was coming upon them in that generation because they continued in rebellion against the Heavenly Father and they sought to kill his son. The proper context is that Messiah proclaimed that the glorious second temple would be destroyed. So the disciples asked him about when these things would take place and what is the sign that they were near. Daniel 9.27 says that because of the Jews' abominations, he, Messiah, will make it desolate, pointing to the Jewish nation's desolation. It says, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even into the consummation, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. So when we come to Matthew 24.30, the context is the judgment of the unbelieving Jewish nation, who delivered the promised Messiah up to be killed. As we've seen in the previous videos, the context is that Jerusalem and the temple are now destroyed. In Matthew 10:23, Messiah declared to his disciples that they would not have gone through Israel's cities before he came in power. It says, But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, Ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Did Messiah return in the first century? No. So that means that Messiah coming in power and glory refers to his judgment of the Jewish nation in the first century. In Matthew 16:28, Messiah declared that some of his disciples would see him come into his kingdom. It says, Verily I say unto you, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. These are clear words from Messiah that he would come into his kingdom in that generation. It's not referring to his return for his saints, but to him coming in power by using the mighty Roman army to effectively end the Jewish nation. And it points to him establishing his father's kingdom with his believers, which includes both Jews and Gentiles. In Matthew 26, 63-64, Messiah told the high priest that he would see him come in the clouds of heaven, meaning in judgment. 
it says, But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. Caiaphas and Messiah's Jewish followers understood that Messiah was proclaiming that he would come in judgment. Should we not believe Messiah's clear statement that the high priest would witness him coming on the clouds of heaven, which matches the description in Matthew 24, 30? Messiah was telling the high priest that though I look powerless now, you will witness my resurrection as I fulfill the sign that I gave to you of rising after three days, and that the high priest would see Messiah come in great power and glory when the temple and city and Jews would be destroyed because he rejected him as Messiah and delivered him up to be killed. Just as the high priest was judging Messiah and condemning him to die, to try to save the Jewish nation, so did Messiah judge the high priest and the unbelieving Jewish nation. Coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory is symbolically pointing to Messiah carrying out judgment, as he caused the desolation of the rebellious, unrepentant Jews by using the mighty Roman army to destroy their temple in Jerusalem. This effectively ended the Jewish nation and darkened its leadership system. The Jewish leaders wanted a zealot Messiah who would overthrow the Romans' oppression and set them up as his kingdom's leaders. So they delivered Messiah up to be killed because he did not fulfill their ideal. Then, in a glorious irony, the warrior Messiah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, desolated the unrepentant Jewish nation and advanced the kingdom with the believing Jews and Gentiles to proclaim the gospel to the nations. Indeed, those of the tribes of the house of Israel, who rejected him as their king, mourned as they understood that they delivered the promised Messiah up to be killed, were left lost in their sins, and did not enter into Messiah's kingdom. So here's the narrative of Matthew 24:30 again. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So let me step back a bit further in the fulfillment of prophecy to help you see a much bigger picture. Let's read Daniel 7, 13-14, which foretold that Messiah was set up his father's kingdom. It says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I'll cover the details of Messiah setting up his father's kingdom in another video, but for now, I want you to see that it's pointing to him, Messiah, setting up the kingdom in the days of the Roman beast kingdom, not at the end of all things. In order for Messiah to set up the spiritual kingdom, he needed to do away with the physical one that always pointed to him. This brings us to the desolation of physical Jerusalem, the second temple, and the Jewish nation. The city of Yah, the Heavenly Father, is heavenly Jerusalem. The temple that Yah indwells has Messiah as the cornerstone, the disciples as the foundation, and the saints make up the stones of the walls. And Messiah is our high priest who intercedes for us in the heavenly realm. This fulfillment marks a high point in history, a glorious time in the kingdom, yet pastors have misled people about what it's proclaiming. There's always been a set-apart remnant that advances the kingdom, while the unbelieving, disobedient ones are left behind to die in their sins. 
That's what's taking place here. The victorious Messiah not only overcame death, rose again, and ascended to heaven, but he is now exalted at the right hand of the Father. He's building his kingdom with believing Jews and Gentiles. So now, with all of that important context, let's look at the fulfillment of Matthew 24:30, And I pray that you'll put aside preconceived notions and consider what scripture is describing. Messiah is not talking about his second coming, but rather to his coming in great power and glory in judgment of the Jews, who had rejected him and delivered him up to be killed. The symbol of clouds can represent scriptural judgment. In this case, it's pointing to the punishment of the Jewish nation. The coming of the Son of Man is speaking about Messiah returning vicariously through the Roman army. He uses language similar to what we see in the Old Testament, so let's look at examples of judgment. Read Isaiah 19, and you see that the Heavenly Father comes riding on a swift cloud of judgment. Isaiah 19.1 says, The burden of Egypt, behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud, and shall come into Egypt. And the idols of Egypt shall be moved at his presence, and the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. And Zephaniah 1, the dark, gloomy day of clouds, refers to Yah's wrath against his people for their sins. Verse 4 says, I will also stretch out my hand upon Judah, and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And then verses 15 to 18 says, That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring distress upon men, that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath. But the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all of them that dwell in the land. Jeremiah 4 12 to 13 points to the Father's clouds of judgment coming against the house of Judah when he used the Babylonians to desolate the temple and city and take the Jews captive. It says, Even a full wind from those places shall come unto me. Now also will I give sentence against them. Behold, he shall come up as clouds, and his chariot shall be as a whirlwind. His horses are swifter than eagles. Woe unto us, for we are spoiled. Ezekiel 30 verses 1 to 4 describes the clouds of judgment coming against the Egyptians. It says, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus say the Lord God, How ye, woe worth the day, for the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near, a cloudy day. It shall be the time of the heathen, and the sword shall come upon Egypt, and great pain shall be in Ethiopia, when the slain shall fall in Egypt. And they shall take away her multitude, and her foundation shall be broken down. Revelation 14, 15-16 points to an angel who is sitting on a cloud, executing judgment. Says, And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap. For the time is come for thee to reap. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. So using those examples of clouds as coming in judgment, we can see that in Matthew 24, 30, Messiah is not referring to his second advent in the first century. It's referring to him coming in power, in judgment, to desolate the Jews. Then just three verses later, Messiah said in Matthew 24, 34, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. And I prove that out 
The examples of all the references to this generation in Matthew, the previous nine mentions, they all point to the Jewish leaders of Messiah's day. So when Messiah makes that plain statement, we should not dismiss it because we don't understand the fulfillment. He's clearly saying that all the things that he just stated in the previous verses would be fulfilled in that generation. And if you watch all the previous videos in this series, you see how they've been fulfilled in that generation. To reinforce that, after berating the Jewish leaders and casting woes on them in Matthew 23, Messiah said in verses 35 to 36 that they would be judged in their generation. It says that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel until the blood of Zacharias, son of Baragias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. And within a biblical generation of 40 years, history proves the disciples and the high priest did see him come in power and glory when he caused the Roman army to desolate Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish leadership system. The context of the Olivet Discourse is that after Messiah rebuked the Jewish leaders and proclaimed that judgment would come upon them in that generation, he proclaimed to his disciples that the temple would be desolated. They understood that this would effectively end the latter days of the Jewish nation. The Jewish leaders were always asking Messiah to give them a sign to prove his power and glory. The Greek word for sign is simeon, which John often uses to refer to Messiah's miracles. The word itself denotes a token of identification or verification. Messiah gave them the sign of rising again after they had delivered him up to be killed, with the analogy of him being the temple. Jesus answered unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then he judged the Jewish leaders, and he gave them the sign of destroying their magnificent temple and desolating Jerusalem, which proved his power and glory. The word tribes is referring to the people of the land of Judea. Some from the house of Israel had regathered in the northern region of Galilee, where Messiah spent most of his time. Hence, all the tribes of the house of Israel witnessed the desolation of the Jewish nation and Messiah coming in power and glory. The Greek word for earth, gi, which does not mean the whole earth, but rather it means a country or land. In this context, the land of Judea. It's the same word used in Matthew 2, 20. It says, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land, ye, of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. The people of the land of Judea truly did mourn when they saw the power of Messiah, causing the mighty Roman army which was coming against them. The tribes of Israel all looked to Jerusalem as their spiritual capital city. Having Jerusalem and the glorious temple destroyed brought them great grief. Adam Clark's commentary on the Bible from 1837 says, This relates to his coming to execute judgment on the enemies of his religion, perhaps to his coming to destroy Jerusalem, as he was to be particularly manifested to them that pierced him, which must mean the incredulous and rebellious Jews. By this, the Jewish people are most evidently intended, and therefore the whole verse may be understood as predicting the destruction of the Jews. No doubt, some Jews who were part of delivering Messiah up to be killed were still alive during the Jewish-Roman War of 66-70 AD, and they saw the sign in the sky of armies gathered to make war, and they were witnesses of the desolation of Jerusalem, the temple, and the Jewish nation, so indeed they saw Messiah come in great power and glory. Were some of them killed in the temple where they had betrayed Messiah? Were some of them crucified outside the city like Messiah? The one they rejected now played the role of the righteous judge. The meek lamb came as the lion of the tribe of Judah against his own people who rejected him. 
Adam Clark's Commentary on the Bible from 1837 says, About, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man. Says, the plain meaning of this is that the destruction of Jerusalem will be such a remarkable instance of divine vengeance, such a signal manifestation of Christ's power and glory, that all the Jewish tribes shall mourn, and many will, in consequence of this manifestation of God, be led to acknowledge Christ and his religion. Of the land, in the text, is evidently meant here, as in several other places, the land of Judea and its tribes, either its then inhabitants or the Jewish people wherever found. John Gill's exposition of the entire Bible from 1809 says about he shall appear, not in person, but in the power of his wrath and vengeance on the Jewish nation, which will be a full sign and proof as his being come. For the sense is that when the above calamities shall fall upon the civil state of that people, and there shall be such changes in their ecclesiastical state, it will be as clear a point that Christ has come in the flesh, and that he is also come in his vengeance on that nation for the rejection and crucifixion of him, as if they had seen him appear in person in the heavens. They had always been seeking a sign and were continually asking him of one. And now they will have a sign with the witness, and they had accordingly. He says about then shall the tribes of earth mourn, that is, the land of Judea, for other lands and countries were not usually divided into tribes, as that was, neither were they affected with the calamities and desolations of it, and the vengeance of the Son of Man upon it at least not so as to mourn on that account, but rather were glad and rejoiced. John Gill says about the phrase, And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, where the high priest, chief priests, scribes, and elders, and the whole Sanhedrin of the Jews are spoken of, and as the same persons, namely the Jews, are here meant here as there. So the same coming of the Son of Man is intended, not as coming at the last day to judgment, though that will be in the clouds of heaven, and with great power and glory, but is coming to bring on, and giving the finishing stroke to the destruction of that people, which was a dark and cloudy dispensation to them. And when they felt the power of his arm, might, if not blind and stupid to the last degree, see the glory of his person, that he was more than a mere man, and no other than the Son of God, whom they had despised, rejected, and crucified, and who came to set up his kingdom and glory in a more visible and peculiar manner. Messiah coming in the clouds in great power and glory represents his judgment of the wicked Jews, and he oversaw their desolation by the Roman army, and it represents Messiah establishing his father's kingdom in the first century, which sets up the narrative of the prophecies in Revelation, as Messiah's assembly of saints has grown into a great mountain of people during the reign of the Satan-empowered Roman beast kingdom. Our pastors have greatly understated the profound events which took place from 66 to 70 AD, which has caused the end-time saints not to understand how the Olivet Discourse described this time of great tribulation for the Jewish nation. Once again, when we put aside the false narrative about the Olivet Discourse and look at what Scripture declares and what history proves, we see Messiah's declaration validated when he said, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. In the next video, I'll talk about the elect being gathered in Matthew 24, 31. Thank you for listening to this Olivet Discourse Decoded audio. You can save and print Olivet Discourse Decoded PDF summaries. You can request a free copy of the Olivet Discourse Decoded book or order a printed copy at www.theolivetdiscourse.com. Please share this podcast audio with others so that they can see the glory of Messiah in the fulfillment. I love y'all. Shalom.